Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me on episode 3. I'm Blair Walker on the Pro Video Podcast. We'll be gaining insights and knowledge from incredible content creators around the world. Expect to hear tips and stories across all areas of creating video content, plus the tools and technologies that help us. This week I had two good friends join me in the studio to discuss the latest releases of Apple's Final Cut Pro X and Motion, as well as Adobe's Premiere Pro and After Effects. John Barry works at Adobe and John Waters is a massive advocate of Final Cut Pro X. It was a great conversation about why we need strong competition so that these products keep improving. Thanks for listening. Now let's go to this week's episode with John Barry and John Waters. Got a couple of special guests in the studio today. John Barry from Adobe and John Waters from Swoon Media. Welcome along, guys. How are you doing? G'day. Can you guys each take a couple of minutes to introduce yourselves and your background and what you're currently doing? Sure. Um, so I currently uh, work at Adobe Systems. Um, I've just had a new role. So now I'm the strategic development manager for Pro Video. I'm part of the global team, but I focus on Australia and New Zealand at the moment. Before that, I was a solutions consultant for Adobe. Uh, been in the company about five years. Before that, uh, been in production, pretty much had a hand in every particular aspect to it. What I was drawn to mostly was the shooting, the lighting, the editing, and then the the other parts of post, so colour grading. Um, and I really enjoyed the sort of directing and collaboration component of that as well. But I have had a hand in pretty much everything, and that's going back now 20 years. Cool. Just to make it easier during this session, um, we'll refer to John Barry as JB. Now I'll ask um, John Waters, can you give us a little insight into your background and what you're doing? Sure, yeah. I mean, like JB, I'm, I'm a bit of an all-rounder. Um, I've been working in the industry for mm, quite a while, um, some sort of, what, 15 years or so. Um I worked at TVNZ for a while um, after I finished my degree and then then went on to start my own company and, and I've been working for myself since then. I've been doing a bit of freelancing and also have my own clients. I, I shoot and edit. Um, I do a bit of directing as well. Um, obviously motion graphics. Yeah, so um, I guess I'm here because I'm the, the final cut... Uh, <laughs> Well, cut uh, sacrifice. Um, but we're yeah. all friends, mate. Yeah. We're all friends. <laughs> hey, we're all good. It's all You're in good. a safe place. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been been using uh, Final Cut Ten since it came out. Actually, from since the day it came out, um, and I actually probably in the only one in the world that didn't open Final Cut Classic after that <laughs> once. <laughs> Never returned to it. Um, I think a lot of people did. I I had a bit of time when it first came out, and I just really went into it. I ignored all the garbage that was going on online, and yeah, just got stuck into it. Thought mm, actually, there's some things in here that um, that are pretty good. So yeah, I went with that, and I've stuck with it. I've learnt um, learned a lot more about motion. Of course, I've had a little bit of skill in it from the previous version. But um, Motion 5 takes things to a whole different level. It doesn't slow down when you get complex um, compositions going on. 
And so I've kind of um, got a foot in both camps. You know, I obviously do quite a lot of work in After Effects, and um, when I'm working doing freelancing, I, I use Premiere. Um, and then on my own stuff, I, I tend to favour using Motion and, and Final Cut. Awesome, mate. So um, just so the audience gets to know me a little bit more, Blair Walker, the host of the Pro Video Podcast, little plug. I'm also um, working in the Adobe suite. I've had a look at Final Cut X quite a bit myself, but haven't gone that way. I was on Final Cut Pro Classic back in the day, and then in 2012 we made the shift over and haven't really looked back. I think the thing for me was that um, I have my my history is I work in advertising and I run um, motion design and post-production suites with six different staff members who are ranging editing, motion, 3D, color grading, filming, large scope of skills that we're producing video content for TV commercial and a lot of online now. So Adobe has really suited our needs because the freelance pool in New Zealand is very much versed with Adobe where Final Cut, I think the the main thing was it was a really different tool and really the marketing sort of like smacked the industry in the face. But I think in the last couple of years, it's really come of age and I've been watching it with watching the developments of it. And it's, and it's really um, sort of filled in all those gaps that it initially had. But what I'm most interested in today is just to sort of look at both the suites from Adobe with Premiere Pro and After Effects and Apple with Final Cut Pro X and Motion and just look at what the latest developments are that, as users and um, representatives of the company are really liking about what's coming out. Ultimately, I feel that competition is just healthy for the industry. So having two really strong products is the best benefit for our industry to stay healthy. So um, we're going to go around and we'll sort of um, highlight... Um, some of our favourite features of the latest releases. So I'll just start with you, John, if you don't mind, JB. Sure. Uh, So I totally agree with you on competition. Cool. You don't have competition, people get lazy, people get complacent. That's something that Adobe is very aware of and we encourage uh, competition. So even though we, we want competition for the reasons of making our products better, we see that there's a value in that too. So, you know, we take the approach of horses for courses. If Final Cut X suits what you need, great. I mean, we're going down a certain road and we've got customers that feel that our stuff's better suited to them. So just getting on the the relationship between After Effects and Premiere Pro has been there for a long time. Um, today I was out at a couple of customer interviews and meetings and showcased how Dynamic Link works. And that's been there for a very long time, but it was new to them. So a lot of the time there's a lack of awareness of functionality, and I'm sure that crosses over to the Apple tools as well. There's, there's a, a gap of what people are aware that things, how things can be done. So with After Effects, Dynamic Link is probably the key thing. We've recently released with 2017 a new format called AE Caps, and that basically encapsulates an After Effects comp and all of the assets associated to it into one container. And then you can share that with a Premiere Pro user that doesn't have After Effects and they get the benefits of a dynamic link uh, with that asset. 
So things like um, changing out the text copy and that being managed through Premiere Pro, the design of animation is the same, but you just got to change out the words. Yeah. So that type of thing is is sort of where a direction we want to continue going down as well. Um, I think yeah. that was a really solid feature just looking at the fact that it did package it every, everything together, which is almost like when you're um, bringing an InDesign file and grabbing all those elements and fonts and everything. But with this new, um, sorry, what's the name of it? The file format's called AE Caps. AE Caps, yeah. yeah. It's, it looks like just one file, but everything's in there, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's really Graphics, smart. Graphics, video, uh, all the animation um, parameters and things like that. So, yeah. so if you're on a network where you've got a team of people, probably not the thing that you're going to want to be using because people are going to be linking to it. But where you're passing on a file and you want it to be self-contained and know that um, files aren't going to get lost and that kind of thing yeah there's also a layer of control to it so if you did use a dynamic link you can't control whether or not someone from premiere can use the edit original function and then open that comp other than locking the file at the uh, os level so when you share an ae comp it's locked the only thing the editor can do is change out the text copy and that's all um, if it was a dynamic link, they in they had After Effects on the machine in order for it to work, then they can open After Effects, they can make changes to it. If other people are linking to it, whatever changes they make and they save over the top, then obviously everyone else that's using it gets those changes too. So there's kind of a... Built-in safety for your own benefit. Yeah. And yeah. again, horses for courses, you find a way to utilize the functionality with control or not control, and it's up to you to choose your way of doing things. There's yeah. more than one way to achieve the outcome. And that's kind of a, a bit of an Adobe type of approach to development as well. They, they don't want one way. They like people to have an option to personalize the way they do things. Yep. Nice, yeah, cool. Nice, nice um, first point. John Waters, what would you be your one of your top picks for the latest Final Cut Pro X releases? Because ten point three's been a big one, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess it has in a lot of ways. I mean, um, I mean, some of the things that I think what ten point three's done is it, it's made a lot of people that shied away from Final Cut in the past look at it again and sort of go, hmm, this looks a lot more professional. And it, it's the UI sort of visual appearance that's done that. It's not something that, um, I mean, as a user, it didn't bother me too much, the old interface, but um, but it certainly, you know, it streamlined a lot of things. And you, you notice there's quite a big speed bump in, in the way that things interact. And, and it's always been one of my, my um, big sort of problems with the Adobe apps is just the way that, the interaction between things happens. You know, it all seems to be on mouse up rather than interacting while you're moving things. You know, if you're changing a color or something, you have to you have to sort of mouse up before you'll see that change. And even moving things on the timeline, you know, they have like a, a kind of a wireframe view of things moving rather than in, in Final Cut. Everything's sort of happening as as you're moving things. So when you're picking a color or something, you can see it happening at real time. As you're doing it, rather than sort of waiting for your, you know, mouse up and then you have to sort of move it again and change it again. Um, so that's one thing that 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 I've really enjoyed with the new version is, is just even a little bit more speed on that, um, but snappier in every different way. Um, 
the, the sort of animations that they originally set up with the application for, for things moving around the screen seem to happen a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, one of the big things, and it's not really on the list, um, but it's something that I seem to be using quite a lot, is just um, the holding down the option key when you're, when you're moving um, in and out points will give you like a low gear type thing, like a, a fine tuning, which I find is, is working really well. Audio rolls, obviously, is a biggie. Um, come, if you're coming from the Premiere side of things, I think a lot of Premiere users don't really understand the idea of rolls and how that whole work, whole thing works. Um, and, you know, I've seen people doing feature comparisons between 10.3 and, and Premiere and saying audio rolls, yep, check. And it's not really anything like that in Premiere. It's, it's got tracks, you know. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that is quite beneficial. And I can sort of see in the future video roles following this as well which just the whole thing is built around organization you know just making sure that you've got the best um organization you have of all of your assets before you start editing so um audio roles and video roles just help you to be more organized on the timeline itself and to get a, a timeline that that's not confusing or messy you know you can you can refine things as much as you want to in that respect but yeah, those are the the main sort of things that I find are, are the biggies of ten point three. Yeah, I, I kind of was thinking about the paradigms um, on my way to work this morning. That's the kind of geek I am between <laughs> Final Cut Pro X and the, and Premiere and After Effects. And I, and I think what it, um, Apple did was just present a completely different paradigm, where it put the user into a different way of organizing and preparing the media. Well, it's not unusual for Apple to do that, though. That, that is their thing, is to, to look at things and go, how can we do this completely differently? I do like having the flexibility of creating the workflows that work for me across different types of projects. And that's what I do find Adobe gives me. Mm. And I think that I'm able to prepare and organize all the content how I need to it to work not only now but when all those changes come through but also when I'm swapping projects to other people for them to just simply pick up a job make the changes that are needed so I was just thinking I just feel like um the even the way that you might log material with subclips and string outs and things like that or um tagging with prelude and things like that there's just so many different ways you can approach it where Final Cut Pro has almost forced the users into a way of making sure that they organize it and it's actually just suddenly it's really smooth and easy if you haven't mm. really thought about that and pre-planned it that suddenly you need to sort of do your your keywording and the, and and so at a subconscious level they've brought this organization to the users I think it's, you know, to be honest, you know, going back to, to a, a program like Premiere, you know, I, I, I kind of think of Premiere as being almost like Final Cut 8 in a lot of ways because there's a lot of things that, that are very similar to the way that Final Cut worked and the way that I, I worked in Final Cut, but, you know, Final Cut 7. But um, with, with Final Cut 10, the keywords and the favourites and the reject and, and all of that type of thing becomes so second nature that, you know, you can just race through a clip without even, without even thinking about it. You've you've marked up all your ins and outs on on all your favourites. Even just seeing the audio timeline, if you're doing an interview or something, you can just sort of go 
boom, 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 and hit a whole lot of favourites with that. And then, then the search, the way that you can search for things in, in the clip browser, um, you know, it's just so easy to to isolate exactly the the clips that you're after by sort of saying, I want favourites, and I want them, and and this from this keyword thing and you know so you, you've got this sort of set of search criteria that are very similar to the way I guess um, the finder works on a Mac in some respects you know by, by adding more criteria and, and isolating down exactly what, what it is that you want to, to see in front of you um, once you've worked that way it's very hard to go back to to string outs and um, sub clips and that type of thing favourites don't really work the the same way that subclips work, it, it's a much quicker way of of, um, of creating them. I think that I find that people that edit and, and premiere don't tend to use subclips that much. They tend to dump a whole lot of stuff on a timeline and go, "This is all of that," and then create a new timeline and dump everything on there. That's all the all the all the good takes or all the um, selects. Whereas, you know, you just create keyword collections of of different um, parts of it. And I think um, it's a shame that we didn't get the Adobe point, of, the sorry, the Avid point of view here as well, because the the three way comparison would have been quite interesting. Um, but I know with with Avid you can you know you can create a, a a string out and then put that back into your clip window so that you can pull f- directly from your clip window, which is kind of like a bit of a hybrid of both um, in some respects. But yeah, I mean it, it is quite a different way of working, and also. With the dynamic link idea, um, I think Apple have taken the whole thing a step further with with having these generators and, and templates within Final Cut that are created in Motion, so that you can you can customize them however you want, and then you can customize them again in, in Final Cut by publishing parameters through. You can change just about any aspect. I remember when Final Cut first came out, I had a job where I, I wanted like a a more interesting way of presenting web page flick through, like on a, and I thought, well, to have it on like a an iPad or something like that would be more relevant than just having screen grabs on 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 screen. So, I created a an iPad and and C4D, animated it slightly, put a blurry background, short depth of field, um, slight animation on the camera, and then for the screen, you know, I, I put a composite mode through there to um, allow me to swap that out for a, um, a drop zone in motion. So then from C4D, it's easy enough to make a, a motion file directly from C4D. Open the motion file, change the, the um, composite into a, um, into a drop zone. Um, the lights come through as motion lights. I put, um, you know, publish those parameters through to, to Final Cut so that I could adjust the lights, I could adjust the size of the image, I could adjust where its position was, and then publish that whole through whole thing through as a template. Then dropping the web pages in became so much simpler because if the client changed their mind about where, you know, how long each um, page was up for or um, what order they're in or changed one or two of them out then it was simply just the thing on the timeline and, and Final Cut rather than having to go back and re-render and, and muck around in that way I mean you can do a similar thing with, with um, C4D, After Effects and Premiere um, it just means going back into After Effects every time you want to make a change rather than doing them right on the timeline Which is 
typically how I do work with Cinema 4D and After Effects and having those compositions in After Effects. I find it quite snappy and intuitive because there's so much uh, muscle memory that's built up. The integration of Cinema 4D into After Effects, which is just getting stronger and stronger, really does make it easier for me to um, introduce new motion designers to Cinema 4D. Having that available as a light free version along with After Effects and the Creative Cloud. But at the same time, I think that maybe that might be a generational thing as well because there's been a generation that's sort of just sort of gone to Adobe largely recently, but there's a lot of iMovie users and things like that where it's a bit of an easy transition into using Final Cut, so... Which is how Final Cut first got big in the first place. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see, you know, what happens. I mean, I part of um, what I do is, is I, I teach a course down at Massey University down in, in Palmerston North. Each year it's just a summer, a summer school for a week, which just keep my hand in with teaching, <laughs> things like that. But, um, you know, they, they have recently gone to PCs with um, Adobe and, and Avid software. Um, but I still find it actually quicker to drag out the old Macs <laughs> and have people editing in Final Cut. Um, and it's, it is it is more to do with the fact that um, anybody that hasn't edited before, I think the, the paradigm that Final Cut uses is just a little bit easier to, to grasp to begin with. And, you know, and they can sort of get up and running a little bit more quickly. Um, and so, yeah, I wonder, Blair, about that, um, you know where that sort of goes in the future. I've definitely seen, maybe it's ten point three, maybe it's just a, a thing, but I've definitely seen a lot more online of people coming into it. Um, some people crossing over, but but a lot of people kind of, um, you know, the YouTubers and that type of thing seem seem to be picking up Final Cut. Um, and it, the, you know, it seems to be a, a bit of an interesting swing of our industry as as people that are creating their own content. John, uh, JB, you get to see so many different types of environments that um, Premiere and After Effects are being used. How are you seeing the adoption of those tools specifically through various companies? Yeah. Recently, there has been a lot of move towards PC. Um, Traditional places that were Mac heavy. Um, A lot of broadcasters. the rest of the environment outside of creative is Broadcast PC. Broadcast has always been PC, buddy. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Not, not the way I use them. Yeah. They well, didn't want if, to be. If they were using Avid, then I would agree with you. Uh, those that were using oh. Final Cut Pro Classic, which is a new term. I've not heard that term before, but it makes total sense, using it, calling it classic. <laughs> there was coined, I, th- I don't know if it's coined by, but there's uh, another podcast. Chris uh, Fendwick, wasn't it? He's, he's pretty... In- Oh, very vocal about Final Cut Pro. Yeah, yeah but um, I think he, use it too. <laughs> he coined that term. <laughs> no, I like it. I think it, it makes total sense. Anyway, so there has been a lot of move from the creative team um, that were Final Cut Pro, and you can't do that on a PC, uh, moving over to Premiere and then also changing platforms from um, Mac over to Windows. So I think Windows 10 has done a lot to sort of make that platform more attractive. It's very stable. It's added some new things in there that um, programmers can take advantage of that they couldn't in previous versions. So 
there's just there does has been a shift from Mac over to PC when they go with Adobe. Mm. Um, not to say that there isn't plenty of Mac users out there using Adobe as well. No, I, I'm a professional user, and I've been um, a really vocal Apple user for 11 years um, solely, and I got everybody I knew to buy Apple to get there because I became the IT person. I don't want to muck around with it. And for the last three weeks, I've been running my new PC at work because I was left with no options. We, we had capital expenditure to buy new machines. And at the end of 2016, I was left fuming. Absolutely yeah, Apple have been off. really dragging their heels when it comes to releasing a new Mac Pro. Not only, not only that is if I was to buy three new machines, which I had to do in the financial year, I had to buy the old MacBook Pro that was three years old and the price was exactly the same as when we bought our first Mac Pro. Mm. Mm. So for $12,000 for three-year-old hardware, mm, it makes good. no sense. No. So to yeah. have brand new, top-of-the-line, dual GPU, monster, monster machines, like we could deck out all of my staff with a new one. Um, and it's been a transition. It's a real transition. And for the first couple of days, I was banging my head and then it just clicked piece by piece by piece. And it's just releasing that muscle memory and just being open to a new way of working. And today was the basically I'm week three and loving it. I was actually just felt really fluid, really smooth. And I, and I think that it's for anybody out there who hasn't used a Wacom tablet, you're going to hate the first week. And it's exactly the same experience. <laughs> oh, God, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that kind of transition. It's just, it's, it's a different kind of feel. And it's mm-hmm. like you're driving in a different country and you're driving on the opposite side of the road. And you just got to re gear your mind. But what it does mean is that we have hardware that is going to be a workhorse to do what we need to do. And the demands of the tighter production budgets, we have to pump that work out. And it's not about just pumping out work. It's about giving yourself the time to actually polish the work and bring the love to it. And that's what the extra RAM and extra um, hardware does. Moving forward, I just can't see the value of spending so much to not get the same bang. And I know that Final Cut is really, really well-tuned to work on the Apple platform and the OS, and it does deliver that really well. But I just couldn't bring myself to to make that purchase of three new Mac Pros at $12,000 a piece. How much did you spend on the PCs? Half. Mm. (laughs) My top pick for 2017 is basically speed and moving to the PC. I've seen speed increases that I've been able to use on paying work, getting faster RAM previews, getting faster edits, not having to preview things, like in basically chucking a lot of different effects at things to really quickly work with the creatives. So I think that the underlying um, developments of After Effects, I kind of felt that a little bit for a couple of years, but this release, I've really felt it's snappy on um, projects and I've seen the difference and I've even tested it on the older Mac Pros as well, the towers, and there is a definite speed increase on the 2017 release of After Effects, which I've mm. been impressed with. There's more to come on that side of it too. We've, I hope We're so. only just begun. <laughs> well, so there was Steve Ford, who is no longer the product manager for um, After Effects, he wrote a letter a few years ago out to the users and said, look, what would you prefer? And this was a public letter. 
Would you prefer us to stop adding new features and just develop speed? Or do you want more bells and whistles and more things that you can do that's creative? Or do you just want speed? Because you can't have both. Um, our engineering team can focus on one thing or the other. What would you like? And it was a tidal wave of response that was give me speed. Mm. So what they needed to do was take a 20-year-old product that had well over a million lines of code and remake it. So as you've been seeing the last probably three versions, I, I would say off the top of my head, um, that's actually been the beginnings of the new version of it. And they had to decouple the user interface from the pixels that were changing in order to create the ability of increasing the speed of renders. So the last release, 2017, we put in some GPU acceleration. So when you're using the color, uh, Lumetri color um, grading tools, uh, that particular tool is GPU accelerated, so you move the slider and you get a response. It used to be quite slow, mm. admittedly. And, and, and after effects, um, it was pretty much non-usable. Like, yeah, uh, right. I would say that, that because would, I, I, I was um, sending over some Premiere um, files to After Effects, and and the interaction of like sending things between them was so much better too. And it had a limit tree, and I was like, "Why is it taking so long to render? Remove that in After Effects, and then gone." But it's one of the first things that I tested, mm. and it's just it's like butter. So that opens up a world of opportunities now. Right. So change, change is happening with the tools at Adobe. And you'll notice even in Premiere Pro, you'll, you'll have, uh, let's go back a few versions, oh, a version now. So 2015.1, if you were to then upgrade to 2015.3, even though it was the same year release, that version, you couldn't open a .3 in a .1. And that's because they're changing a lot of the architecture behind the way that it functions. But because it didn't land on a cycle of the year major release and all the rest, the first dot numeric is new features. The second one, so today we're on 2017.0, no new features. Dot two, second round of bug fixes. Thank God for that. <laughs> as, and, as of today, we're on... Dot two, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because there was a dot one, wasn't there? Or has it gone... Dot one hasn't released yet. Okay. It's still... Beta testing. It's still in beta, yeah. yeah. Um, there'll be a lot of new features that come out, and the same goes for After Effects. And on the colour grading side for After Effects, you'll see some things coming in there. Um, some things that a lot of people will welcome as well. Scopes. I cannot say whether or not... That's what I'd welcome in After Effects. Scopes are coming. I can't <laughs> confirm nor deny. Oh, God. Um, no, no one's going to listen to no one's, JB. It's but fine. No, it's fine. But, <laughs> you can say it. But you know what? That would be a great feature. Like about 10 years ago, that would have been a great feature. So, well, I mean, you've always had scopes out of synthetic aperture. Yeah, but that's I've used those and they're yeah. pretty crap. It's not responsive? No. But again, that was because at that time, that was a plugin that we would pay um, royalties for, yep. which is included in the price. Yeah. Um, and you had to go into another window to uh, yeah. kind of do it, which was so a bit of a part of the decoupling of the capacity to send 
changed pixel calculations over to the GPU from the entire user interface. Decoupling that, that was a mammoth task. So and, yeah. that's that's happened and that came out a couple of releases ago, but it's taken some time to put in the baseline of what will happen when it comes to GPU acceleration. And they've started to put that in and you'll see more of that coming out. And, and we saw it in the last release where they were identifying what those um, effects and features were pulling the GPU and to be honest it was another driving force for me because with the um, with the Mac Pro Tower I was limited to the AMD graphics cards that was purchased with it but there was no upgrade opportunity with the Mac Pro cylinder I mean with with the um, yeah the trash can with the um, new Windows box we can put two 1080 um NVIDIA cards in there but also we can upgrade it at any point and, and there are new cards coming out all the time to ba- and those incremental upgrades more on an annual or bi-yearly um, purchasing cycle they're the things that keep you able to produce at a level where trying to buy a machine and having to use that for four to five years and make that value last it's much harder. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing um, as many features put into the GPU as possible now that I can really fully utilize it. Mm. Mm. Okay, I want to go around one more time. Um, we'll probably do this once more and then we'll do our um, show wrap-up questions. Just one more feature that you've really enjoyed from the latest release, JB. Um, okay, so this... This feature is um, very exciting for collaboration and it's with Premiere Pro, it's with After Effects. Um, It's in beta right now, but it's public beta, so it's actually in the product of 2017. It's called Team Projects. So what Team Projects allows you to do is put the project file, which would traditionally sit on your machine or on a storage location, and put that into the cloud and then every transaction you do, so every time you change something, move something, do anything in the product, it's instantly saved in the cloud. Like there's no save. You've got a file save. It's grey. It doesn't exist. So you're able to work in this way where every transaction saves it into the cloud. Now, the other thing you can do is collaborate with others. So... Traditionally, you would have a project file and then you would have duplicates of a project file assigned to the collaborators. So let's say there's a JB edit, Premiere project, and then there's a Blair project. We might be using accessing the same files. We might be on shared storage, but we're essentially dividing the workload and then somehow we've got to bring them together and make a third one that's like a combination of the two. We do have ways of doing that through the media browser where you can strip mine someone else's project. That's while, how we work right now. Right, while yeah. it's locked, which is great that it's locked and so you're not having something open and accidentally working in someone else's sequence. But the team projects allows you to have one central project and you think of it like a trunk on a tree and then you would divide the workload across sequences. And then as someone's working in their sandbox, so they're creating their little um, uh, sandcastle or something, no one else can (laughs) see what it is that they're doing until they share it. 
So when you share your changes, then you create a branch on the tree trunk. And every time someone in the collaboration team shares what they've done, they create a new tree trunk. And then what you can do is go back down the tree. And so if there's a sequence that after some time has been overcooked and it's like, geez, you know what, we've overcomplicated this. It was actually better two versions ago. You can go back down the tree, find that sequence, grab it and put it back into the current version and then you're good to go. So because it's transactional, everything's saved every time you do something. So even at an individual level, this works really well, having this ability to go back in time. With each so share. this is going to stop me getting up to version 232 of my Premiere project. Basically, yeah. Which I have got up that high before as well. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Premiere. <laughs> no, in After Effects, I'm, I'm really cautious. I've lost some work before. I'm not losing an hour's work. So every, yeah. I'm always a versioner. I probably will be. And I'm sure we've all we've all done that underscore final underscore final V one final not in my production suite, man. No, no, he doesn't like that sort of career. Yeah, I mean, mean, that's something that that Final Cut does, and I've actually seen people complaining about that. Premiere users complaining about Final Cut not having a save command. You know, who who would take the save command out? Um, And maybe that's the way that software will go altogether, and it, it makes so much more sense because there's nothing worse mm. than, than something happening program crashes and you go oh shit when was the last time I saved we see it all the time with shared documents in Google and other places well it's that's right history you know, to roll back in. on the Mac, Mac platform pages numbers don't have a save they save automatically um, so you know it, maybe it's just a sensible kind of option for everything I'm I'm looking forward to in um, the Adobe Suite because I think it will just release me from worrying about that. Where I have, I, I do get up really high in the version numbers, and it saved me. I've had to go back because occasionally people want to see what a new edit looks like, and you know, no, after we've spent that day, let's roll it back to the, what we had yesterday. Mm. And you end up with such a mess. It's like, oh, let's just start again and go back to that previous version. Yeah, yeah, well, what I used to do when I was back in production, we would do, um, we would have passes. So we would have a sequence and we call it pass, or we would call it raw. So depending on the way that people worked, there was a production company that I worked for that did a lot of cooking show stuff. Very fast turnout. You've, you've got two hours or two and a half hours of two camera shoot content. You've got to chop it right down to 26 minutes for a half hour segment. And so we would just dump everything in the timeline and this is actually Final Cut 7 back then. Mm. Uh, then we moved over to Premiere Pro eventually. But we still had the same policy of this is how we produce the content. Raw. We would have whatever the project was, key number, blah, 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 underscore raw. All the shots in one timeline. Then you'd create a duplicate of the sequence and then we call that da 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 key number, underscore, pass one. Then every time you had a major sort of we're going to now tighten, tighten, tighten. Each time you tighten down, it was by sequence. So we didn't have these duplicates of the project file. You had a lot of sequence. Du- we had yeah. sequence-based mm. duplicates. Well, that's one thing I, I do like, you know, I don't want to harp on about Final Cut, um, but the... Um, that's why I brought you here, mate. The, <laughs> the, the snapshot thing I think is brilliant and it's something that, that Adobe I think will adopt eventually. But um, when you save as a snapshot, any... Um, nested sequences that you have in there are also saved so if if they get altered in the new version that you've you know that you've created then 
you can go back, everything is still the same. You know, you haven't because that's one thing that, that you run into problems with, with you know, an After Effects thing or something like that, where you you change that thing in After Effects, but then you know it gets updated and, and it updates all of the versions within your within your um, document within your project. Yeah, and I think that that's walking into a project with eyes wide open because I have a particular brand that I walk work on and um, we try things a lot. So I find in After Effects that I'm actually duplicating in comp. And mm. I'm using true um, true comp duplicator from AE Scripts, so it's going to go down and like get basically everything. get every yeah, pre comp and duplicate it yep. to to mess with that new one and know that you can always roll back to where you originally were because it happens all the time. You, you want to explore, but you also want to leave the trail back to safety in case you you're, you're lost in the forest. Yep. And that's what Team Projects does. Yeah, it works in After Effects as well. So. Mm. Um, if you haven't had a play with it, jump in and have a have a good look at Is, it. That's with the team accounts, though. Is that correct? That, uh, yeah. So yeah. you can't you can't access the service um, through individual licensing. So you need either CC for Teams, which is Creative Cloud for Teams, or CC for Enterprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really want that service, instead of adding another layer of cost around the service, we included it with those ones. So those of those users out there that are desperate to want to use it and they're on individual, instead of paying the price as an add-on, then the suggestion is to, we'll get a single uh, user license for Teams. And by paying that premium to jump up, then you get access to the service uh, for that. And that's that's the beginning of a platform that we see has legs to go beyond um, the video tools and start to... Basically, snapshot is kind of like a share yeah, change. I, I think Very it, similar. I, I think it's a great thing that for Adobe to get into. It's something that Avid has. That's been its stronghold is that collaborative approach. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I wonder. I mean, the thing with with Avid is that is so ingrained in in the Hollywood. You know, regardless of how good the tool is, um, it's just the attitude of. This is what we we know, and this is what we rely on for for such a long time. You know, it's hard to imagine it ever changing very quickly. Um, but it's good to see Adobe getting into the more collaborative um, structure and and looking at it in a different way as well. You know, coming up with something that that's quite a different approach to it. Hmm. Hollywood's an interesting sort of topic for us. Um, we've been talking and communicating with Hollywood for some time and our main, main contact in the beginning was um, I've forgotten his name now, I'm losing my mind jet lag setting in, that's right, from <laughs> Australia to New Zealand, you can still have jet lag just enough, <laughs> just enough The odd um, beer on the plane helps really, too just, just Yeah, the beer, the beer this afternoon didn't help um, oh, This is killing me, I actually did a thesis around this guy you're cheating. You're using the interwebs. You're both <laughs> using the interwebs. Look at you. David Fincher. David Fincher. He was That's the premier. It. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know how we can forget that. So Gone Girl yeah. was the first major Hollywood feature-funded film to use Premiere Pro for the entire editorial process. Yeah. And we worked with his team using After Effects to do the conforms for a couple of his other projects. So... Really, we began this relationship back at the social network side of things, and that's where they did the conform through After Effects. Yes, it took longer than other solutions, but they just went, well, we've got the product. We've got time on our side. Let's just 
do it there. So we started working with them back then and through our Hollywood engagements, we've started to see a lot more openness to change. Um, The last film that was released that came out um, using Premiere Pro was the Coen Brothers film, um, Hail Caesar. Mm -hmm. Before that was Deadpool. Deadpool probably is the one that most people would remember. And most Premiere Pro users have probably got the uh, presets from their editor, (laughs) the camera (laughs) shake. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's used quite a lot, um, actually. So we have a a bigger pipeline going forward with Hollywood engagements. That's been a very interesting process. Um, We do focus a lot on Hollywood because there's a lot of great learnings to have as development and innovation through those type of engagements that then trickles down to everybody else. So the benefits of working with those elite sort of players and the way they collaborate and what they need and all that kind of deep conversation, we do develop with that and then it comes down to everyone else. And we try to – we do actually – have a cycle of working with them and provide private builds really so they kind of test they beta test through things and it's a great relationship that we have and um we continue growing in that space and that's that's something you'll see a lot more of this next year and a half or so awesome i there's a lot of little things that i really like that aren't huge monumental but every minute that i can save here and there that's really where i get a bit of a buzz I suppose um, one for me is freeze on last frame which just saves me a a few clicks and a bit of shuffle in the timeline and after effects yeah it's something that's really quite smooth that's true I mean it's something that should have been around for a while actually (laughs) oh there's uh, you ask anybody or you ask a room full of 10 people you get a hundred different answers of what should be in there for a long time but um, that's I will agree with you there, John Waters. Um, I've been hanging out for that one, so it's awesome. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, um, being a motion user as well, the thing that I'd like to see with with After Effects is, is more real-time playback. Um, you know, obviously with, with motion, the GPU acceleration is kind of built right in there from, you know, the, the day it was conceived. So um, playback while you adjust... Um, parameters is something that I've kind of got used to and that's just not something possible in in After Effects at the moment and um, even you know dragging a a piece of footage onto the the canvas and playing it back (laughs) would be really nice Um, so yeah I mean I'd like to see a lot lot better performance out of of After Effects for sure. There must be like on the roadmap though with all this push to GPU I'd hope. Yeah well if you're not seeing playback from just a, a file sitting in there to hit play I'd be looking at your system yeah because to be honest on my new PC it is basically yeah I hit play Mm, and it's 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 kind of rendered so doesn't it no it's it's caching it's it's caching it's it's like you you can't catch up to the cache no it's well ahead of where it should be so you should be getting real time playback straight away my thing is that as much power as I'm going to get I'm going to load it up and abuse those Mm. pixels (laughs) so as fast as that goes I'm just going to pump more and more into that project Mm. Um, yeah it's just there's a whole lot of little features like captioning um, <laughs> the ability to like retime the captions in the timeline 
it's just those little features that make it a little bit easier to get the job done. So I'm really, really excited to now that the Creative Cloud is rolling out whenever these things are available and the team's ready to, to just see a lot of these features improving my day-to-day workflows. And now it's time for the Pro Video Packs. I'd like to wrap up with our, um, our show questions, which we go through everyone. It's not quite as bad as the Hauraki top 10. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty questions. Who do you follow? Who online are you guys following and where can the listeners find them? JB. So I, th- I kind of thought about this for a little while. Um, and I'm really interested in people that are getting new to video. Um, there's a guy that I met in Melbourne um, who's part of the Igers Melbourne group, which is Instagram official Instagram group in Melbourne. And he he goes by the handle of Lego Jacker and he uses these miniature scenes where he has a Lego character and then he just has these beautiful images and he has a little story with it too. Just wonderful sort of stuff that he makes from a storytelling perspective. And he's very interested in getting into video. So I'm keen to sort of see where he goes with that. The images on their own are great. Uh, He's on Instagram, Lego Jacker, one word, um, L-E-G-O-J-A-C-K-E-R. He's actually moved from Melbourne recently. I think he's in Adelaide now. but he is just the type of person that I think is an interesting migration from beautiful still images into video becoming this new commonplace wow, that sounds, thing. Wow, that sounds amazing. Just really cool. Yeah, cool stuff. John Waters, what is your pick of the week, mate? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really hard one, actually. I've, I've been scratching my head a bit about this. Um, I mean, obviously, like billions of other people, I've been following um, Casey Neistat for a long time, um, mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to see where he's gone with um, with his whole kind of, um, you know, doing his daily vlog for for a couple of years, and then getting bought by by a very large network or well, selling to <laughs> CNN. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. which he openly admits on his Yeah, yeah and on his good page. on him to Ching Ching. It's interesting. <laughs> well, it's interesting. He released recently a, a video about um, selling out, um, which I think a lot of people and you know that, that follow him, obviously lots of young young people that follow him and they're, they're kind of um, they have a, a different kind of um, expectation, I guess, of um, of the people that they see as being their heroes, um, and so he released this video after probably getting bombarded on online on Twitter and, and things about selling out, and I thought it explained that whole kind of concept between reality and your dreams um, mm. really really well I don't know if you guys have I've watched seen this video, this video. it's yeah. very good you know I just think well, good on him for doing that you know good yeah. on him for, for, for coming back with something like that because he did it so nicely you know like he, he yeah. I think he's he's truly talented when it comes to being able to explain things on a video mm. in, in a way that is engaging and um, and sort of gets the point of, across as well um, so yeah, I thought, well, good on him, you know. Um, so that's the one thing that, that really stuck in my mind in, in the last sort of um, month or so. Awesome, awesome pick. Mine is going to be Grayscale Gorilla. Um, a lot of motion designers and 3D animators will know them quite well. I, I 
they've just had a podcast restart up in the last few months and they've just basically been putting out heaps of content, heaps of resources, heaps of tools for the industry. I, I'm a true believer in um, getting to know the tools in, in and out so that you can build these things yourself. But when you're starting, um, it's really difficult. So these things will really support you. So Grayscale Griller for a lot of tutorials and a lot of um, great resources to get you into Cinema 4D and Motion. And like I said before, if you're an After Effects user, there is a free Cinema 4D light available to you. And I don't think enough people are fully aware of having access to that and that's a huge reason to have um crab cloud in my view um okay so pick of the week this could be an application device website resource anything that helps you in your creative work jb i've got to say the phone my phone is probably my device that Mm. i go to for pretty much everything um when i started in the industry phones were a phone i had the 5110 nokia (laughs) And you're laughing at that because you remember that phone. That was an like awesome phone. And the best thing you did on that phone was play Snake. Now I'm showing my age. So the, phone, the, the smartphone is probably, I think, the core tool that I use. Um, you get to shoot photos, video. Uh, you can edit on it as well. Um, you can search the internet and get your inspiration, like looking at the YouTube things with Casey Neistat and – Instagram and all there's it's just one tool that kind of ticks so many boxes. Okay, John Barry, <laughs> what's your pick of the week, mate? John Barry or John? Oh, John, uh, John too many Walker. Johns. John too many Walker. Johns. I'm not sure about. That. I mean, you know, from if it's a website, um, you know, the thing that I like in in websites is as a portal kind of thing. So because I'm a bit lazy, I, I, I just want to go to one site. And see all of the updates for a particular subject, you know, like with Final Cut, it'd be FinalCut.co. Um, what would After Effects? Where would you go? What would be a portal for After Effects at the moment? I don't really have portal. I'll be honest. I have Feedly, and that's my portal to yeah, the world's true. information. And yeah, I yeah. keep on top of things really well there. Um, yeah. so I, I, you know, I, I'm. I must admit, in the last couple of years, I've really got into Twitter. I think um, that seems to be so up to the second kind of yeah. thing um, and just to sort of being able to push things around there it's a little bit of everything it's a little bit of feedback to people and a little bit of um, a little bit of information a little bit of how you're feeling or whatever you know um, and it, it's also like a bit of a conversation with people so yeah it's sort of um, it's also where I'm sourcing a lot of new things that are being released or whatever I think um Obviously, Facebook pages um, that are specific to your particular interests are, are quite good as well. But I think Twitter just seems so instantaneous. I, I think um, for people in the professional video um, industry or wanting to be in the industry, Twitter is a really viable place of active people. And I think it's going to keep coming up on the show. That's where a lot of people hang out because you can just quick fire top line bullet point get some information and that's what we're all looking for and if you want to keep up with Donald Trump I mean he's all over it (laughs) (laughs) no thanks (laughs) (laughs) we're definitely not going to take this down a political road so moving on Um, do you guys listen to any other podcasts just out of interest JB Um, I have to say no at the moment well I hope you're going to start listening to this one I will 
Excellent. If you're flying on a plane, of course you've got time. What are you doing? No, well, so when I'm flying on a plane, I'm listening to audiobooks. Oh. So that's kind of yeah. – that's become a bit of a thing for me at the moment. Yeah. Around time management and nice. that sort of stuff. They're not geeky yeah. ones. They're like – No, no, this is this is good stuff. You can apply it to not just – Yeah, exactly. But not just to – I mean, your work life. I mean, your life life, like home life and yeah. just prioritizing. Instead of having priorities – which is a hack on the original term, it's a priority. Like what is the one thing you can do yep. that's actually going to make other things easier or redundant? Yeah. You know, and then how do I frame my mind to decide what is that one thing and not get distracted yep. by other little things that are easy to do and I feel, oh, I'm very busy, I'm very, very busy, but actually not that productive. Yeah, yeah. time management is a very critical thing oh, you know in the last um, two weeks I've been I've been building a bathroom in our house and, and you know that's one of those things where you sort of get up in the morning and go okay one hour per job one hour to do this one hour to do that one, and try and keep yourself to that so at the end of the day you, you can look back at it and go okay I've managed to get somewhere hmm. John Waters, do you listen to any other podcasts regularly? Do you, do like yeah, to share? I mean, obviously the Final Cut ones. Um, Chris Fenwick, uh, um, always kind of entertaining, good good guests, and um, the Final Cut Radio with Richard Taylor. Um, what else do I listen to? Oh, Go Creative. Um, he's, you know, um, what's his name? Um, ben Consoli. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I... One th- I was listening to him interviewing these people one day and I was thinking it was a live type thing where he was just bowling up to people rather than a normal one-on-one podcast that he usually does. Um, and I just thought, how sharp is that guy? How can he just think up these questions on the fly and he's dynamically changing them for the answers and just, you know, he hasn't hasn't sort of rehearsed it in his head or anything like that. It's just bang. And he, he speaks really quickly and he thinks really quickly. One of the podcasts that I mentioned before was Grayscale Griller. Uh, it's not always um, inf- action-filled, informative, but it's a really good snapshot of what those guys are doing at any one point in time. Yeah, and I, have to, I have to second the Grayscale, Grayscale Gorilla. Um, absolutely brilliant um, information on their tutorials and things. It's really pushed my C4D just hugely. I think he, he was the first one to really start to... To look at that part of it as far as motion graphics was concerned, you know, with C4D. And it, we've always known that C4D was an excellent app for, for motion graphics, but, you know, above a lot of the other 3D apps. Um, but I think he was the first one that, that really brought in a kind of technique for dealing with things and things like lighting kits and things like that, which made He approached it from amount. a motion designer who was well known for After Effects initially. And that was what the blog and the tutorials were based in and transitioned people to Cinema 4D well before everyone else saw the light, including me. And I have to thank you personally, John Waters, for like finally pushing me into that boat. I was not going to give up my knowledge of Maya and all that hard It's pretty good too. It's pretty good at Maya, I have to say. I did some good stuff in it. That's a lot of knowledge that you dropped there. Yeah. Uh, Maya's but, but, complex. It's a very but you're not dropping any knowledge. You're building off a foundation that you've created. Oh, I like that approach. <laughs> I do like that. You bring it with you. You grow from it. That's right. You, you build on top. Now, I just want to jump in there. A couple of the books that I've been reading for yeah. those out there who want to find some stuff that I think is going to be easy to consume and um, quite helpful about learning about your own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. 
There's one book called Managing Oneself by Peter F. Drucker. Excellent book. Very short. I reread it every now and then, every few months. I reread it again and go, oh, yeah. The link will be in the show notes. It's Sounds like a drinking an- game too. <laughs> yeah. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> mm. And the other one is called The One Thing, and that's by Gary Keller. Um, that's the one that I was referencing nice. before about priority. the mindset of like a priority, mm-hmm. like one. What's the one thing you can actually get done that by doing it, you reduce the need to do other things or they just, you know, they become easier. Mm. So sitting down and applying a different mindset at the end of the day, kind of going through what tomorrow might look like and then through the day just rearranging things. Habits that I've kind of subconsciously done sometimes and making it conscious. And it's made my capacity to have productivity so much greater. I'm doing less things, but I'm going deeper on them. Hmm. Mm, you're working smarter. Yeah. A really quick pro tip would be awesome from you guys. I've got one. I got oh, one. you got one. No, go, for go for it, John. Go for it, John. Mine, mine's an Adobe one too. Copy and paste from Premiere to After Effects, something yeah. I didn't know about. Been there forever a too. Lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's something that a lot of people don't know about, that they you know do the dynamic link, but this is actually much Yeah, I've know, been using it for flexible. a long time. But um, there are so many of those little, little tidbits and um, I suppose you've got to get that out there and have a look around. And that's why I use Feedly because if you follow the right people, they'll show up in your streams and you can go five hot tips that you might not know on After Effects and you click at that and have a bit of a browse and then suddenly you've learned something new. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it does pay to look at those things. And, uh, you know, learn... Learn quick keys because it just yeah. saves you so much time. Keyboard-driven shortcuts. shortcuts is just, just the bomb. I you think know. that that's what's actually made my transition to a PC much easier is that I I forced myself to relearn and remap all my short keys to the defaults on a PC keyboard. Mm. The, my thoughts being that if I had to jump on any of the other guys, I wanted to be able to just do it naturally. So I've actually found myself exploring what are more quick keys that I wasn't using on the Apple because I'm like, well, how do you, how do, instead of hitting the enter to retype a name, you have to hit the F2, <laughs> just little mm. things like that. But it's actually opened up a world. And now I feel like I'm playing the bloody piano when I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd leverage the F keys yeah. a lot. Yeah. So there would be a point where I was uh, doing a lot of interview content and we had a lot of B-roll and then we sort of had this other stuff. But I would categorize everything with a color. So I would associate this group of shots and I'd color code it and I'd have a F key to do that. And so I'd just grab it and go F5, F6, F7 and just sort of pull it that way, Um, which I think a lot of people on the Mac side may not come to the F keys as as a combination of a shortcut key because you see it and have done for a long time you see it and you go oh well I hit the F whatever and that's volume down and that's brightness yeah. and you think of them in a different way yeah well I, you know it, on the you know for the on the defense of the Mac side of it I guess you do have to sacrifice those things to get you know to get your ease and ease out to get all the other things that were you know that are mapped into those keys kind of thing hmm. on the Adobe app so it is 
is a compromise. Well, I think with the MacBook Pro, Apple are trying to reinvent those F keys by basically having the, um, touch, the touch bar, bar. available. Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see how that goes. I haven't used one as yet. and um, I've got one sitting right in front of me. It's oh, looking quite nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, that'd be, uh, be an, uh, an interesting sort of thing. I guess Adobe won't be supporting the touch bar anytime soon. It's not no, a top, that's definitely platform. a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's because you can't do it on a PC. It doesn't mean we won't develop Might it on the Mac. Yeah. Mac's definitely a very, um, very big partner of ours as well. So yeah. we, we work with Apple quite closely. It's yeah, definitely it's something that will be coming. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm still um, working on home on my MacBook Pro and I'm going to chop and change. And, yeah, it's just a new way of living. <laughs> mm. So... Um, Plugin choice. Have you guys got a plugin script or template that you like to use, John Waters? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I I tend to keep things quite vanilla. Um, apart from some scripts, I don't really. I think that's the power of After Effects is AE scripts. Yeah, I really is. do love that site, and that's one I visit for yeah, a lot of I, functionality. If there's something that I think is going to be a pain in the ass to do in After Effects, I'll try and find a script for it. If you're doing it more than a few times in a row, I'd find a script for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's usually going to be ten bucks, you know. So I mean, why would you why would you not do it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is probably the pick of it. Um, on the Final Cut side of it, um, definitely, um, Color Finale is just amazing um, and it looks like Denver Riddle's off on another tangent with with LUTs and things um, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that he's just been releasing a few teasers on that so far a colorist kind of tool it's it's exceptional and I also use a, another little plugin called Finisher which if you're doing a quick and dirty color grade on something that's that's a fairly low budge is, is actually brilliant um, but yeah those would be my picks Cool. JB, have you got one? Yeah, I have to sort of agree with John that, that things tend to be fairly vanilla. Um, I One thing I'm interested in seeing um, more people using is the libraries panel, being able to – it kind of acts like a bit of a workflow plugin, kind of, but it comes with the tools. So the libraries panel is inside of all the products – you make changes to things. You set a, a style guide of, of sorts where you've got a type font. Um, you've got the style of it, the whether it's bold, italic, the size, the kerning, the leading, all that sort of stuff, and you put it into one little hot clickable uh, button that you then share. So if you're in a collaborative environment, these library panels with the libraries that you can share – that's kind of very interesting. Mm. And, and I mean, plugins have been around a long time. Mm. So there's not that much that changes in them. I mean, Video no, Copilot I mean, do a lot of interesting stuff at the moment. It's and really they've just sort of much the same sort of effects without, but, you know, maybe a different price or a different speed kind of thing as far as, far as rendering goes. Yeah. You know, probably the last thing I'd seen that made a big leap was the metal plugin for VR. Yeah. Virtual reality stuff. There's the mm. Skybox. Right. Yeah, which I've used on projects, and it really did enable us to do full 360 video with comping and things. And it was it was interesting because that was on a Mac Pro that was funny, quite difficult. I'd like to revisit that now on, an, on the PC, see how it's going with the GPU. But I ended up um, doing a lot of compositing back in Premiere rather than using an After Effects mm. because it was just getting so heavy. 
so doing the color grade and Lumetri and Premiere and then just doing some motion design titles and rendering those out as short as possible to recomposite back in Premiere. Mm. But um, yeah, the Skybox did enable it, but even um, Premiere's got some updates to the VR views now in the latest release as well. Yeah. So I don't tend to use a lot of plugins myself, Um, basically moved away from them. But I do think scripts, using more and more scripts, and one that I'd like to shout out is Motion um, 2, which is um, from Mount MoGraph and sits inside of After Effects. And it just has a lot of different little features that remove you five steps by having one mouse click. Um, The anchor reposition is really great. The selecting four different elements and... um, parenting them to a null with one click and just lots of little things that save you time okay i'm gonna wrap this up because um we're gonna go out for a beer aren't we jb sure why not have another one (laughs) (laughs) where can we follow you guys john waters um well i'm obviously on twitter quite a bit so it's probably the main thing um i'm not my facebook page is a is a graveyard um so yeah mainly on twitter um and uh, <laughs> what's your Twitter handle, mate? He's forgotten his Twitter handle. <laughs> I know He's got to look it up. I know mine. I it's Blair Walker. I Holy moly! <laughs> my, my my, you can find me on on Twitter at um, swoon underscore John. Awesome. And JB, where can we find you online? So, hmm, I don't use Twitter that much. If you need to get onto me through Twitter, it is the T H E J B. Factor, the JB Factor. I will be found very easily and quite frequently on the Adobe Pro Video user groups. So there's one in New Zealand, one in Australia, and they I've renamed them so they have a hashtag in the name. So when you look for them in the name of the group you're looking at, it's hashtag APVUG underscore NZ, or if you're looking for the Aussie one, it's the underscore OZ. Um, another place you'll find me at frequently as well is the Moving to Premiere Pro global community of uh, Adobe Pro Video users. I'm in, in and out of those all the time. And you can find me on Twitter at Blair Walker. I'm also a, an admin for the Adobe Pro Video user groups on Facebook. Um, and there's lots of great topics. There's jobs. People are looking for um, people to produce projects. There's great opportunities. We're doing collaborative projects where we're getting members of the groups to create work and to bring it all together. We've had a couple of those. So, yeah, if you've got some questions that you would like us to dive into, fire them through. All right, thanks, everyone. I'd like to say thank you to worldpodcast.com who are proudly presenting this episode and recommend that you check out their website for all the other great shows that they have. I personally have really enjoyed the latest episodes of Stupid Questions for Scientists. I found it a hilarious discussion between scientists and comedians. Really recommend you checking it out. Another great show, the Social Media Strategy Podcast. Social media is such an important part of day-to-day business. Really recommend you checking out that show as well. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. Please take a moment to go to iTunes, leave a comment, leave a review, and rate the show. It helps so much for others to be able to find the show as well. If you could do that, I'd be really grateful. So thank you. Again, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.